Today we're going to explore the qualities of an evolved leader. And I'm basing this on the countless number of executives and the successful people I've worked with and I continue to work with. And I picked out some of the qualities that I see as common qualities for these evolved leaders. So stay tuned. And even if you are not a leader or you're not leading um, in the traditional terms, you are still leading your life. And you are, you are influencing people in your sphere, whoever is in your little sphere, right? And so my invitation to you is to, you will find nuggets in this episode that is going to help support your growth and evolution and the growth and evolution of others in your life. So stay tuned. Hello, visionaries. Welcome to Create Your Vibrant Life podcast, where you can create the life you desire by tapping into your inner wisdom. I'm your host, Padma Ali. I'm widely known in the field of psychology to create long-lasting transformation. And now I'm here to help you create the life you desire using a combination of neuropsychology and ancient healing practices. This podcast is for you, evolved, overachieving leader who's ready to unlock your highest potential. I'm here to guide you through a process of self-discovery to be the creator of your destiny. And you can do all of that by just taking aligned actions, tapping into the power of your brain, your inner wisdom and ancient practices. So stay tuned, folks. I am so delighted you are here. Hello, visionaries. How are you all today? Oh, holy moly, it's already March. <laughs> I'm amazed at how illusionary time can feel. Anyways, today we're going to be talking about the qualities of an evolved leader. And one of the reasons I decided to do this episode is because I noticed that evolution. So what is what is evolved leader, first of all? So an evolved leader, in my opinion, by the way, I did a YouTube video on that, which is going to be released in a couple of weeks, I think, or next week. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but there's going to be a YouTube video on what is an evolved leader, who is an evolved leader. So evol evolution to me is fluid. We're always evolving and growing. To me personally, the day I stop learning is the day I die. I day the day I leave this body, I don't look at death as death. It's more, I'm done with this body and moving on to another adventure. But the learning is happening constantly. And the day I stop being a student is the day I stop growing. You know, there's a quote by Einstein that once you stop learning, you start dying, which is so true. So I invite you to consider evolution as a fluid process. It is constantly changing and who you are being today may not be how you are showing, are you going to be tomorrow? Meaning you are constantly evolving and growing into who you truly are. 
I mean, there are aspects of me from my 20s that I'm like, who was that person? I can't even relate to her anymore. Like anxiety was a big part of how I lived my life. And I don't feel anxious anymore. So that has changed, right? That has evolved and grown. And there are certain aspects that I love about myself that I continue to deepen and grow even more. So my spiritual practices are one of those. So what I'm inviting you to look at and consider is that evolution is a constantly changing process and you get to decide what is best for you. What are the traits and characteristics that you want to adopt that is going to make you serve from your highest potential? And what I, I've, I've compiled a few list of qualities that I have seen as a common trait of most of the evolved leaders that I worked with. And again, I'm using the word evolved leader as a person who is open to change, open to is working on themselves and is constantly growing. So the first quality that I noticed. They're not in any particular order. I just put them together in this particular order. The first characteristic trait that I've noticed oftentimes with evolved leaders is self-awareness. I was recently, I'm I'm in the process of talking to a very well-known company to do some work with them, to do some leadership trainings for them. And I was speaking to the founder of the company and in, in it's a, it's a wellness company and they have one of the things that they propagate with their patients is to know, is, is to know themselves, not only with their patients, but their partners that they work with. It's about knowing themselves. And that's what sparked this whole episode as well. And in that, you know, what I noticed was self-awareness is one of the common traits I have seen with the leaders I've worked with. The more aware you are, the more you flourish. And I was, as I was researching this, um, this episode, I was doing some research on this episode, and I always like to provide some evidence, right? Some brain-based evidence too, for all my analytical listeners. So in one of the research that I was reading from MIT Sloan School of Management, what they rated, what they, the article said that they rated self-awareness as one of the most important capabilities for leaders to develop. And what it said in the article, in that research article, was that executives, when they know where their natural inclinations lie, they they can either boost them or compensate for them. So self-awareness is one of the key factors that they identified as traits for leaders, it is, um, it is really important what the article basically said is like self-awareness is going to help leaders flourish. There was another article in the Forbes magazine um, which said that for leaders, for, for, for basically the self, self in, in this article, sorry, 
it it is new moon today as I'm recording this podcast and it's been a very 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 long day so my brain's like not working my mouth is not working as fast as my brain <laughs> and this morning oh my god I'm totally going to digress for a second but it's like when we when I feel the energies my children feel the energies and this morning when I was getting out of the house it was just so much chaos happening and I'm kind of still working through all of that so pardon me as I get back on track so as I was saying in this article in this Forbes article what it said was they did a research on 17,000 individuals worldwide it was so interesting that they found that 19% of the women executive interviewed exhibited self-awareness as compared to 4% of their male counterparts isn't that interesting that women tend to be more self-aware than men which I don't know if I agree or disagree. I think men are trained. It is all conditioning to be more analytical in their thinking. They are not, they're more focused on doing, they're more focused on tasks and responsibilities and all that. It's training. It is all indoctrination of how we raise our children. So self-awareness, you can start from day one, like with my kids, like this morning is a great example. When I see them this evening, I am going to have to do some serious repair because it was a nightmare this morning. But one of the things I ask my kids when we have mornings like that, or when we have moments like that is what did they learn? What did they learn? And then I share what I learned. I learned this morning that I need to work on being more patient with their, with who they are. Like my son sometimes tends to be absent-minded because he's thinking about things. He's generally absent-minded in that sense. And he tends to, and I'm, I wasn't accepting of that. And I was like, why are you not getting ready? And we're out of the, you know, you know how it is. If you have kids, you have to be at school at a certain time. And there was just a lot going on. So bringing back to the topic, self-awareness can start from very young age. You can start with your kids just asking them questions like, what did they learn from that experience? And um, what, what, what would they like to do differently next time? Because one of the things that was happening this morning, he forgot his water bottle, he forgot his violin case, he forgot his jacket. It was just a lot of things he was forgetting. So one of the things I'm going to ask him is, what did he learn? And I will share what I learned as well and how to work with that differently next time. So what I wanted to share with you are here are some of the tips for being strategies for being more self-aware. One is you can teach your kids from a young age by just asking questions of like, what did you learn? What did you learn, especially about yourself? The places where I'm going to invite you to consider as strategies to, for self-awareness is staying curious. Staying curious, <coughs> excuse me, staying curious means staying curious with your own self. Being the ability to stay curious with your own, how you, how you work and why you're doing the way you're doing. 
and spending time self-reflecting, these things are going to help you be more self-aware. Now, in a corporate environment, you can also be open, be curious to feedback that you're receiving. I found that to be very helpful when you get feedback from your peers or from upper management, like staying curious, like, huh, what made them think about me this particular way? And that curiosity can go a very long way because then you're not giving into judgment and you're giving into more more ability to be kind with yourself as you're learning more things about yourself. Remember, personality and what you're learning about you is not set in stone. You can change things about you. You don't have to be just that particular way for the rest of your life. Nothing is set in stone. Okay, so another way to foster self-awareness is journaling. Journaling is a beautiful way to keep, to allow the subconscious mind to take a backseat and, I'm sorry, the conscious mind to take a backseat and allow the subconscious mind to tell you things about you. Because a lot of times it's easy to be self-aware of things you know about yourself, but where most people will falter is self-awareness on your blind spots. And journaling is an amazing way to allow that to happen. So journaling is not like one time you're journaling today and like you're just letting it go, but it's about journaling every single, meaning consistently. Maybe it's not every week for you or it's not every every other day for you, but you have to find a consistent way to journal. And in the YouTube video, I go into some specific strategies on soul journaling so you can really understand your subconscious mind. The third way to be self-aware, to become self-aware, is investing in yourself. You know, most successful leaders are constantly growing and evolving using certain methods. Like if you if you follow them, they'll talk about, they read a lot of books, they hire coaches, they hire um, like coaches to help them perform to the next level. They focus on understanding their limitations, right? Because the bottom line is we all have shadows. We all have aspects to us, which are our strengths. And then we have our shadows. And the more awareness you have about your shadows, the easier you can work with that. Remember, the things that will come to bite you are your blind spots. And the shadows in many aspects are your blind spots. So the more awareness you can bring to that, the more easier it's going to be to work with that. This is one of the reasons many executives hire me, like successful executives hire me, even though they're doing really well in their career. It's because it's like a different light that I can shine because I'm an outsider looking in with my gifts, which is to help them see themselves beyond what they have boxed themselves into. Because again, and I have my own coach, I, I, I've, I've always worked with somebody or the other for the last 20, 23 years, off and on, like I might take a break but I always have someone that I'm working with, either in a group setting or in a one-on-one setting. And I, I just recently joined um, a program for financial investing. 
And the reason, again, I joined that is because, you know, I've kind of in the past, we'll do a whole money series. One of the beliefs I used to have is like, I'm not good with growing my money. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to join a coaching program where they're going to teach me how to you how to invest my own money, like be an investor, because I've kind of like always handed that off to my husband. But nope, I'm going to do that now. So I'm always doing things to to evolve to the next level. I know where my limitations are. And I know how to what to do to get to the next level. So this is the self-awareness is really, really helpful. And one of the other tools that I often use, not often, I use it with my clients is something called the human design. If you haven't listened to the episode on human design with Charlie McGinnis, please go ahead and do so. It's one of the first viewer episodes. I don't remember the number, but it is a really, really valuable tool when you can understand yourself, like what is your unique template that you bringing in to your life? And are you operating in alignment or are you operating from a place of conditioning? So it's beautiful. Astrology is another way if you're interested in exploring these, the woo side, <laughs> astrology is another aspect that I often use to understand, to bring self-awareness, not only with my clients, but also with myself. Because self-awareness, again, you can approach self-awareness from so many different angles. It doesn't have to be just this one particular method, right? Like I said, journaling, investing in yourself, like all these other tools. So bring self-awareness. Self-awareness is one of the one of the really important traits that I've noticed in evolved leaders. So moving on. Another important aspect that I noticed with evolved leaders is self-acceptance. So number two is self-acceptance. So Tara Brock, who is a Buddhist meditation um, teacher, she's really beautiful. If you haven't, if you if you find her, you can find information about her on the internet. It's Tara and Brock B R A C H. She's one of the most soothing voices that I've ever heard. And she does a lot of meditation, leads you through guided meditations and all that. So she coined a term called radical acceptance. Radical acceptance is such a key factor. When you learn to love and accept yourself the way you are, I guarantee you it's going to open up so many doors. You know, what we're often taught as um, young people is that you need to be hard on yourself. Like the way to grow and evolve is like if someone is constantly like, you know, beating you up or like telling you how you need to improve on this, this and this. And it doesn't. It really doesn't. Because what that does is it goes into self-criticism. And when we are self-critical of ourselves, we're not honoring our essence. We can never be perfect None of us are. We're going to have our strengths and our weaknesses. And the more you accept your weaknesses, the more you accept that you have shadows to you. I have shadows that I am constantly working on. And it's never going to end. It's not like one day I'm going to be like, oh yeah, I'm over that. I'm completely over that. You peel one layer, then you have another layer to peel, another layer to peel, another layer. But if I start from the place of like, I suck, right? It is, I am not going to be 
able to work with myself from a place of love and acceptance. So what I'm inviting you to do is learn to accept yourself, accept your strengths, accept your flaws, accept your weaknesses, your shadows, because and with no judgment. Like I said to you right in the beginning of this episode, I have to do some serious repair work with my kids because I was a mean mom this morning. And that is one of the shadows as like when when there's time pressure and then they are not working with me the way I think they should be in that moment. It's everything is happening in that split second. I was mean. And so I have to go back and be instead of beating myself up like, how could you do this? You are so it's such a bad mom in quotes, I can be like, okay, I did that. What can I do differently? And really spend some time forgiving myself because I had to spend some time forgiving myself for being mean today. I don't, I didn't mean to, I, it was not my intention to hurt their feelings. So it's about going back and saying, okay, how can I do some repair work so that the damage is not permanent, right? And so I'm, I'm saying that we accepting your shadows, accepting your flaws is only going to help you and not hold you back. And it doesn't mean, right, the bottom line is if you are you have a, a, a team, it doesn't mean you're making excuses for your team or your employees. What it means is that you are holding what's possible for them. When they live from their highest potential, when they work from that place of 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 what is possible for them, and you're holding that space for them, they are much more likely to step into that rather than feel like they cannot, they, they, they can they can never fill those big shoes. Let me backtrack a little bit with that. What I mean is people become who we think they are. So if you think that your whoever you you know one of your team members is not capable of performing better guess what they're going to continue to stay there but if you see the potential in them and you know that certain tweaks and changes can help them flourish and you hold that and you accept that about them and then you have a conversation with them about that particular trait it's going to help them flourish and what it does is it opens up room for communication, safe. It creates safety for open communication. So I am just inviting you to, first of all, self-acceptance for yourself and then acceptance for your team and your employees, because you can, when you do that, it's only going to help everyone grow and evolve. Okay, so third trait that I noticed with evolved leaders is self-integrity. Self-integrity, they keep their word, not just to the outside, but to themselves. When they say they're going to do something, they honor it. So, you know, I, I had a client I was working with and, you know, she, she, I noticed this about her. It was so beautiful. Like if she said she's going to work out, she's going to work out. Like you knew that if she committed to herself, like she would do it. And that self-integrity is such a key factor when it comes to leadership. Because when you do that, your team is going to be able to trust you. And it's also going to create a ripple effect of self-accountability. 
Because if they see you being self-accountable, they're going to be self-accountable themselves. And, you know, the, and they will start trusting themselves and they'll start trusting you. That brings me to a point on values. Because what often happens is self-integrity and values are connected. We can never outperform our values. So for instance, let's take money, right? It's easiest to talk about money because it's so concrete. If someone is poor in their mind, no matter how much money they make, they'll always find a way to be poor again. Lottery winners are great examples for that. Or, you know, like Mike Tyson, like he filed for bankruptcy after having like, I don't know, what, 400 billion or something like that? I mean, how do you get bankrupt from that? So because in his mind, he was still that poor person. Gay Hendricks, from, uh, he, he wrote this book called The Big Leap. He talks about upper limiting and he talks about all these concepts about this, right? And he doesn't use the word values. I'm bringing in values because values is often connected with self-integrity because if you do not value value yourself, if you do not honor who you are, then you are not going to keep your word to yourself. And what I've seen with leaders, with evolved leaders, is that they adhere to their value system. They will not do anything that crosses their value system. And which means they hold themselves accountable to those, to who they are. And the values are also connected with subconscious beliefs. Because what happens, again, like I said, it's not the things that you know about yourself consciously that you have to be concerned about. It's the things that are in the background. It is your blind spots. And that is where the subconscious beliefs come. And the subconscious beliefs is often where our value system, where, where, where our values can be a blind spot. Right. So say, say you, someone comes to me and says, Oh, I want to increase my revenue by this much. This is what I want you to help me with. And then when I do help them do their values or uh, uncover their values and money is not even a part of the first 10 values, then there is a, there is a dissonance between what they are seeking and wanting versus how they are feeling on the inside. Right, this is what I mean. You can never outperform your values. So, and I have seen that that with evolved leaders, there's a there is a there's no dissonance between values and what they want and the actions that they take. You know, with my clients, I do this value exercise, and, and the companies that I work with, I do I walk them through a value exercise that helps identify the subconscious values that they may or may not even be aware of. That was a whole mouthful of words. Hopefully all of this made sense to you. (laughs) Okay, now let's talk about the fourth trait that I have seen with evolved leaders. And that is they are open to change. They are not stuck in this is the only way. They're open to change. They will try something. It didn't work. Let me try something else. Let me, that didn't work. Let me try something else. So they're constantly open to allowing change to come their way. 
they're not stuck in their ways. Okay, like I said before, your personality is not set in stone. You don't like something about you, you can change it. Change is possible anytime, anywhere. And what I noticed again of evolved leaders is that they work from possibilities, not from circumstances. They ask really, really, really good questions of themselves and of others. And, um, you know, one of the things that I noticed again is as they do work on themselves, they really learn to be, they, they operate from like, okay, what can I, what can be possible for me rather than I can't make that happen. That's not possible. This is not going to work. Right. You know, and this is where, again, I noticed that change doesn't scare them. They're open to, they're okay with change happening. So I want to digress a little bit here and talk about beliefs because well, I'm digressing, but I'm not really. So change, if you're not open to change, there's a belief system that, that uh, about change that you, you may be subconsciously adhering to. Beliefs are formed oftentimes when we are very, very young, either by watching our caregivers or by our own experiences, right? And so when you you have to identify what those beliefs are that are holding you back because unless you really know what those beliefs are that are holding you back and the best way to identify those beliefs is the best way to identify those beliefs is say look at your life are you satisfied in all areas of your life and if you're not satisfied that means that something needs to change Right? And so that's where you want to look at what are your beliefs. Because once you identify those beliefs, then you can change them. And what, some of the tools that I use to create long-lasting changes with my clients or transformation with my clients, it ranges from like inner child work, energy work, hypnosis, knowing what your stories are that are holding you back, to name a few. But it all starts with awareness and knowing yourself, because if you're not open to change, there's a reason you're not open to change. Also, change comes in bite-sized pieces, right? When you see someone being super successful in their life, you, you have not seen all the little iterations that have happened of fail of failures and quotes that have happened before what they have put out in the world. What we often see is like this linear path and someone being like super successful. What you haven't seen is all the messiness and the how, how zigzaggy the whole pathway is. It's so not in a linear fashion, but that's what you see. And then there's the sense of like, oh my God, like I am, I am not successful because I don't have that. You have to just allow change to happen in bite-sized pieces. Okay, so the fifth trait, quality, whatever you want to call it, for evolved leaders is they bring all aspects of themselves to the table. They don't hold themselves back for the fear of not being liked. For instance, 
Many of the high performers I work with have a spiritual practice. They go beyond the 3D world of creating from hard work. Now, a lot of the people that I, some people, not a lot, some people that I notice, what they do is they, they, they kind of hold these aspects of them back. They don't show it to the, to the, to their clients or to their not clients. Okay. I really can't talk today, huh? <laughs> So some of the some of the leaders I noticed that compartmentalize these aspects of them. But I have noticed with these evolved leaders, they are like, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. You know, um, Vishen Lakiani, the founder of Mind Valley, in his book, like he talks, the quote of the extraordinary mind, he talks about using intuition to bring more sales and into to bring more sales into whatever he was doing back then. And he talks about it pretty openly, right? Like this is using going beyond the 3D world into the the spiritual aspects to create. And most successful entrepreneurs. Use intuition more often than you think. Like Richard Branson mentioned that he trusts his gut more than statistics. Oprah talks about it. So they bring aspects of themselves to the table. They don't hold themselves back. I only bring them as examples because to just give you an idea of like, oh, what does it mean to be all, bring all of me to the table rather than just one aspect of me? And I also bring them up because we're all on the same path. They're all people like us. If they can do something, we can do it too. Anyone can do it, right? Where everyone is equal, we're all walking on the same path. We're all parallel walking towards the upliftment of the planet. At least I know you are because you won't be listening to my podcast if you're not interested in evolving or in uplifting humanity as a whole along with yourself. So my invitation to you is to bring all aspects of you to the table, especially if you have a spiritual side to you, a spiritual practice, bring that to the table because when you start sharing, when you share things about you, it sparks interest. It sparks, it ignites some of the dormant buttons to the people you're speaking to. Okay. So the sixth a pointer I want to make about the qualities of an evolved leader. This one, I'm actually going to have, I have some random musings of the things I've observed with evolved leaders. So they're, they're just randomly put together, but I think it will really help you. So first of all, they know when to quit. Course correct, right? If something is not working, it's like, all right, let me course correct, which also means they know when to say, I am done with this because this is not working for me anymore. Also, what I've seen is they go where no man has gone before. They're visionaries. They follow their gut. They follow their intuition. They're not holding back based on what they think other people want them to do. They literally do what feels right to them. They're focused on the betterment of the planet. They go beyond themselves. It's no longer just about me and what I'm making and what about me. It's not about me, me, me. It goes beyond that. The other thing I've noticed is that they ask super good questions about themselves. How can this be possible? How can we make it happen? Like more questions like that rather than, oh, this is not possible. How can I can't make this happen? This is there's no word called impossible, right? Like what they find ways to make something happen. 
The other part I've noticed is they don't shy from possible failures. They don't need to know the exact steps that it's going to take them to just take one step in front of the other. They're not caught up in perfectionism. They just do what feels right. You know, there's a person I follow um, on, on, on the internet and one of the things he talks about is perfectionism, like how perfectionism is a sure, it, it, it stops you from being successful. So in that post, it was very interesting. He had said that he was criticized for typos. And he said, you know what? I am going to let the typos be because typos basically indicate that we are still taking actions rather than waiting for things to be perfect, like I's dotted, T's crossed, whatever. And so this, take it or leave it. If you want to still follow me, great. If you don't, okay, see you later. I'm not, I'm not buying into all that criticisms. So I thought it was like pretty amazing to see that. Like, you know, so again, I'm quoting that as an example because doesn't matter. Like if you feel right doing it, just do it. Don't wait for it to be perfect before you can launch something. So another quality that I noticed was that they allow others and their team to thrive and flourish. They're always promoting people under them because they want them to raise them, raise them to the next level. And it is really amazing to watch leaders like that because they are really interested in the betterment of, of their team, their organization, humanity as a whole. Like they're focused on that rather than it's all about me. So those were just random musings that I couldn't put it into any one category that I just wanted to share with you. So I am curious, what are your takeaways from this? Because I shared a lot of different things. Can you identify yourself with some of these traits? Do you feel like some of these traits are missing for you? So if it is, how can you cultivate it? How can you be the best version of you? You know, one of the things I often say to my clients is there is no competition, not even competition with yourself. If you can live from the place of, I'm going to live from my highest level, highest potential tomorrow, that's it. Like keep that as a goal rather than I have to be better than so-and-so person or even competing with my own self for success. No, just do the best you can. And can you show up every day as though you, this is your last day. Like, how will you show up? How will you do things? So that concludes the qualities of an evolved leader. If you have questions, I would love to hear. So please send them over to support at padmaali.com. And if you have, if you found value in these episodes, please give a good rating because it'll help us reach more people. And I thank you for your time because I know time is of the most essence and I really thank you for your time. So I will see you in the next episode. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for listening. I have a request for you. If you found value, chances are that your friends and family will too. So if you can leave a positive review on iTunes, it will help reach so many more people. And if you have any topics or questions you would like me to feature, please send them to support at padmaali.com. And lastly, 
Please share your takeaways and breakthroughs with me on Instagram at Padma Ali. Thank you so much for tuning in. 